welcome to another episode of the In Real Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me as always, executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Greetings, Steve. I, I have one question for you. What would that be, my friend? Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? <laughs> I wish you had the vocal capacity to whisper. You probably do to a certain extent, but to say it like Black Phillip, that would have been... If you, like, if you leaned over me and said that while I slept, you should probably do this to your wife, actually. While she's sleeping, you should whisper that to her and see if, how she responds. I think, I think I will, just to freak her out. <laughs> I think it really, really would freak her out. Yeah. As you may have guessed from Andrew's wonderful quote there, which is the creepiest thing in a very creepy movie... Maybe not the creepiest, but close. We are here to talk about The Witch, the 2015 horror movie that is beloved by many and is the second installment in our truncated horror month. We're doing a little bit of a shorter horror month for this October, but we got two spooky recent entries and we're talking about both of them. Before we get too far into the show, Andrew, let's do beverage of choice. I have a very thematically appropriate New England IPA because... Uh. The Witch takes place, I think, in New England, right? I think that's where the... Uh, that's, it's a New England folktale, I believe. Is the that's center. correct. There we go. I knew I was doing this for a reason. Yes. Good. Yes. Looks like where I grew up. <laughs> but that, bunch of shitty corn and woods and, and uh, desolate no, landscape. That, that, that movie is the weather from about now to about April in Maine, where I grew up. <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't live there anymore. <laughs> it's 75 and sunny in Los Angeles today, just letting you know. Yeah, it's, it's sunny uh, It's sunny here in Maryland. So all right, that's all you got? <laughs> better, it's better than New England. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's not all I have. Uh, Ooh. Like you're, you're living deliciously with that New England IPA. Um, <laughs> I am drinking what I believe is red wine, but could also be... Milk from a demonic goat named Black Phil. We don't really know. We don't really know. We don't really know. <laughs> It'd be great. I thought you would have one of those wines that has like a you know a skeleton or a monster or something on the front too. That would also be appropriate. I don't know where this wine come from. Came came from. You know, it could have been could have been squeezed out of a goat's teeth. We'll, we don't. We'll, we don't know. Is it is it delicious though? I am. I am living deliciously tonight. <laughs> Wouldst thou like to see the world? I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, let's talk about The Witch. So you had been telling me to see this movie for quite a while. I just saw it a few days ago. And we, like we say on all these podcasts, neither one of us is a big horror fan. So if you're a horror fan yourself, excuse us to certain extents because we will probably disagree in in key ways from, from deep, deep fans. But I will say this is my kind of horror movie, even more so than Hereditary because... It works on so many levels, and we've said this before as well about the really good entries we've talked about, but it is more than just horror. It is, it's incredibly spooky at times, and there's a couple genuine scares, but more than anything, it is just in your bones. It just makes you very nervous and uncomfortable. Yes, it again fits my definition of just deep, deeply unsettled by throughout the entire film, like from the, from the first frame. And and then and then they're on. You know, it's it's just a deeply unsettling film. Uh, it like Hereditary, um, I think does a great job of like stringing you along throughout the entire film. Uh, you're not really sure who's bad, what what's going on, what's real, what's not, and um, and yeah, it's it's just it's brilliant in that in that vein. I think. 
I thought one of the things that really struck me about this movie that probably will strike people who see it is it harkens back to, you know, the Salem witch trials and, and anything involving witches from ye olden days, but the, the small scale dynamic of it is just so scary. Like, I think you always assume, and in many movies, I think this is the case, your family is the last vestige, you know, you will, right. you may be accused by your town or your people or the church, but the people near you will support you. And that's, that's not tried and true in every one of these movies or every one of these stories. But I think in a lot of ways, it's scary enough just to have your town turn on you, you know, just the masses coming at you. But to see your family because of their faith and their fear and their just overall shitty circumstances, you know, all start accusing each other of all these calamities and issues and everything. It makes it's one of those things that makes perfect sense and is just truly terrifying. Yeah. And I, again, another thread you can kind of tie into hereditary, which bra- basically spends two, two plus hours breaking down the family structure. <laughs> um, and this is a movie that, um, that breaks it down with, I would say the, di- the big contrast I would say sort of from a story perspective is that um, hereditary sets about doing it really from, I would say in external um, forces. Whereas I would argue that the witch is, largely egged i mean maybe we can talk about this but it's largely egged on by sort of internal distrust uh and and skepticism and suspicion of your own fellow family members which is very interesting in the setup of the story because the this family of i guess let's see i'm kidding it was six family of six uh two you know husband and wife and four four kids of, of a range of ages are cast out of their like plymouth plantation style colony um in what i what must be 17th century you know colonial america and and they're cast out basically and i know you had to turn the subtitles on so maybe you didn't quite catch this but they're basically cast out because they're too pious for puritans in (laughs) in this plymouth plantation like area which if you know anything about the puritans i mean it's right there in the word is pretty damn pious uh and and then and then that that, then that suspicion of you know not being christian enough uh not being you know this is this sort of like purest strain of calvinism like really starts to come out when they're out in a field in the middle of nowhere with no no help it's just yeah it really reinforces you know it doesn't it doesn't explicitly say religion is bad but it does say religion you know, in, in, in dire circumstances, in dire straits, it can be both a savior and a curse, you know? Like, if you, if you are as committed as they are, as this family is, William and his wife Catherine and their kids, when the tides turn, you know, they're, they're, you know, I'm not particularly a religious man, but especially in the movie, God did not come save them, you know? It was the exact opposite. God, they, they, their, their faith made them you know, believe in each other, you know, that they hung to it in a lot of ways, but they were also very, very bad in many ways. Almost all of them committed mortal sins to, in some capacity, you know, like they, though they clung to, to their religiosity and so though it put them where they were, they certainly were not worthy of it. And perhaps that's another message as well, that maybe that's why God did not save them is because they were not very good people. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, to dive deep on, and maybe I know more about this because I've, you know, listen to a book recently and also grew up in this part of the country, but to dive deep, you know, Puritans believed in predestination and, and the, the, the Calvinists did. And the, and the notion that like, basically you're born and you try to live a purist life, but that, that from the moment you're born, you're, you're basically, you're, you're, you're die, the die is cast. You're either going to heaven or you're not. 
Um, and uh, which makes their the actions of all of the family members once they're out there in the woods interesting. And I think it also, you know, you said this works on many levels. It definitely has the, the horror creepy angle. But I think the ultimate question that the movie never really answers and I don't really want them to is is Thomason, who is sort of the, the, the oldest daughter at the center of the story. Is she, is she a witch all along who is sort of guiding her family on this evil path or is her family, is her family driving her to it? You know, like, like what is, what is the, what is the, cause the end result is her, you know, naked floating in the trees with a bunch of other <laughs> evil ladies. But like the, the path to get there is very ambiguous, which I think is like another reason that the, another thing that's so interesting why this movie works on so many levels. It's kind of a puzzle and a mystery in a, in a, in a, in a lot of ways. And I think you touched on something there that my interpretation of, and certainly, you know, furthered by what I've read about it is it's sort of like a, if anyone watches the show, better call Saul, there are thematic similarities there in that if you're told you are something enough, why not just become that thing? You know, that's how I garnish it. Is she, everyone accuses her of all these things. And so eventually at the end, especially because she's out of options, you know, and this is a very surface level reading too. You can certainly get into it a little deeper, but she just says, you know what? I'm just going to go be a witch. Like that's, that's what everyone says I am. And I'm pretty shit out of luck now. So I guess I'm going to go witch it up. Yeah, every, <laughs> everyone thinks I'm a witch. I might as well live deliciously. Um, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, to put a little more historical context on it, I, I just listened to this book on Audible a few months ago called The Witches, uh, Salem in 1692, and it, obviously it's about the Salem witch trials. And at the end of the movie, it says in the post, the, immediately before the credits roll, that much of the dialogue and the inspiration for the stories came directly from this historical record of the time. And, um, uh, you know... Um, what's interesting about the Salem witch trials in, in the vein of what you're talking about is that, you know, a, a number of the witches, um, some of whom were executed and some of whom were not, it, during the Salem witch hysteria actually confessed. Um, which, you know, again, it's like the, there, you can make an argument that some of them are like, well, I'm being called a witch, so I might as well just confess and hope for mercy. Because in, in the context of that, that the, the Salem witch trials, Sometimes when you confessed, you weren't actually put to death. If you could point to the other person around you who was the original witch. <laughs> it's a pyramid it, scheme. It, it all sounds absurd, but I think that's the other thing that's really great about this movie is that I've never seen a movie like this put you in the mindset of a of a colonial American in New England, a, a Puritan. And, um, you know, and, and it, it, it treats as serious the... Um, both their their religious devotion but then also how goddamn terrifying it must have been to be um to be out there i mean you know and, and this ratchets it up by having them cast out of the plantation but even if they were in the plantation with their fellow villagers you know you're talking about maybe a couple hundred people mostly men you're still basically in the woods with a bunch of you know hostile uh natives around you 
and yeah, you might start to see things and think things are happening in the in the in the, in the woods, especially if you have the world view that Satan is all around you, that your fate is predetermined and all that stuff. So like that's the other as a sort of a history nerd from this area, like that's the other thing that I love about this movie is it just puts you right in the shoes of someone like that. And then just, you know, you know, puts a, a little extra dose of realism on it. And you're not allowed to disagree or differ from the norm, you know? Like, you and I were talking before we recorded, Caleb, the oldest son, he is looking at Thomas and his sister's uh, breasts. He's looking at her bosom. He's looking at her That's bosom. Right. I remember writing the review a couple of years ago and struggling with how to frame that. And, I, I, I and, this, is, and this, is a, this is a podcast for all, for the most part. So I don't want to be uncouth. He was looking at her bosom. But I, and I, and like that, and I don't know, I assume, I'm not sure if that's pulled from historical documents or not necessarily, but if you're the only per, if that's the only female of age within your, you know, five, ten miles of your life, like, not to condone that at all, but you can see why if you're in a shitty situation like that, you might make bad choices, or, or you're a growing boy, and you have natural desires to be explorative and curious, and, you know, like, how would you not do that? Like, it's sort of, and then that's another thing that makes it even scarier, is they, they have no room to, to grow and mature as, as humans. Like, I think it's, from a modern context, you can look back and be like, wow, they are just stuck. Like, you are just, life is, like you said, life is decided from you religiously maybe in their minds from day one and the rest of your life in a lot of the ways is decided from day one too like there's no flexibility you are what you are you're gonna end up where you end up like you're it's very hard to get out of your your path the path you're locked into yeah and it's all about survival as well i mean you 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 can worry about being damned for all eternity uh but then there's the other ever-present reality of uh again we don't have enough food for the winter which is part of the context of this movie but also any like colonial settlement settlement um we're surrounded by hostile natives who could easily kill us and know the land better um you know it's this one just happens to be a monster ladies as opposed to native americans yeah and it's just uh it's just it's it's terrifying you know so and i you know i think this is also Another another one like Hereditary that is so character driven and performances are so strong from um, from from the principal characters and they really have to be because they're all kind of out there in a field. So <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the casting too. So Anya Taylor Joy is Thomason. She's amazing. She has to, all the kids in this movie really are amazing. They have to carry a lot of. She's 22 now, so she was just over. You know, she was just about 18 or so when this came. When she probably made this movie, and the kids as well. Caleb is is has to give a Shakespearean sort of soliloquy at while as possessed child, and he's probably what 10 or 12 years old. He nails that. Like that's that's better than some you know grown actors can do. <laughs> that was amazing. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and then two, the two, the two, the patriarch and the matriarch are, are Game of Thrones alums, but like lesser characters. Um, you know, the, 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 the woman who I'm sure you'll, you'll provide the name for me here in a second, um, is, plays Liza Aaron, which is Kate Dickey. Yes, which she's not playing against type, if you know that character. Um, <laughs> she's not. But she's great at that role. That's that, that kind of role. And then the the um, the, the father William is just um, so gruff. And I think what's so interesting about him in this movie, that character, is just that um, you kind of see he kind of presents himself and stands as the sort of the righteous character. In fact, he's so righteous. He's the one, he's the one sort of responsible for them getting kicked out. And yet the interesting thing is that, you know, 
he's responsible for them getting kicked out. He's in a way responsible for all of this trouble in the beginning. And then he furthers the sort of infighting and suspicion amongst his family by not telling his wife that he sold the piece of silver by sending Caleb out into the woods to collect, uh, you know, trapped animals without telling his wife. So there's a lot of subterfuge on his part. Um, despite the fact that again, he presents himself as this gruff, ultra pious you know calvinist guy um and he does a great job too well i will say so his name is ralph innocent and if you watch the british office he's chris finch aka finchy in that series and he's like the the part partying friend of david brent and he's great in that. and here he is now in this movie but i will say about his character here i th- i like that at the end this is just the way i interpret it he yeah you're right he he goes off the beaten path he, he's the catalyst he's the father he has all the power but he is sort of not a calming presence but he is trying to settle it down at a certain point like his wife is jumping to more conclusions he's trying to figure out the truth he's trying to expel the witch as opposed to you know uh killing her like he's trying to calm things here and there and then of course at a certain point probably because he's sort of some sort of calming presence black philip the goat has to literally kill him himself you know like it's almost like whatever demons are there like okay this guy's not gonna you know play ball exactly what we want let's just stab him right in the gut with our horns and we can just get him out of the picture and you know move this along <laughs> well but is he a calming presence because i like i would argue with that notion to a degree again because his his lying is responsible for if not directly things the, the initial bad things uh that happen are are responsible for making it work it worse excuse me um and then you know i do think there's a there's a comment just in the art of that scene um where he's killed by by black philip which is um you know he spends the whole movie chopping wood you know firewood and then black philip like gores him basically but then he's buried in a pile of his own wood i mean yep. i think there there's like sort of a a symbol symbolic statement being made there by the by the director robert eggers um writer and director we should we should talk about too um this is i think this is his first film um and so you know, again, that's but that's kind of the brilliance of the movie. Like, he, is he really though? Like, is Thomason really that evil? Like, obviously, in the end, she is, but. Um... But, yeah, I, I didn't. I don't mean to make it sound like William is like the best dude in the world and is like doing a great job. He's definitely the catalyst, at the very least, for a lot of these things happening. Like he, you know, it, whether his choices were made out of desperation or not, he, for someone who purports to be a certain type of person, he's his, his, you know, in the moment reactions are very human and very understandable, but also very much not in line with what he should be doing as a puritanical man who is following this code that is unbreakable so i agree he's not not holding him up as a righteous you know good dude but i i do th- i do think he he at least is not jumping to conclusions like like Catherine, kate dickey she's instantly like you know she's yeah. grieving and i guess she's making a very human they're, they're all making very human responses that i think we can all relate to in this yeah. day and age like they're just they're they're sad they're angry they're cold they're frustrated and they're trying to you know and, and Catherine's response is to blame everyone because she just is just letting her grief out he's keeping his grief inside and he's trying to keep his kids alive and together so i feel like he's giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt like he's yeah. 
he's just not he's just not saying you're a witch because we need to blame someone like Catherine's sort of just like throwing it around saying I'll blame whoever's around like if you can pr- if, if there's if there's even the slightest bit of proof that you're a witch okay you're a witch because I just gotta like someone has to pay for these crimes against my family and so William's at least a little more apprehensive about that but then of course he, he's like you said he gets buried under his own wood that's a pretty there's there's a lot there <laughs> whether if you want to see it there or not there's clearly he's he's not number one best dude well, and I think it, it also, like like you're saying, it kind of reframes it all around the context of their religious outlook, right? Which is this ultra-puritanical, essentially fundamentalist uh, interpretation of Christianity, right? Um, where every, you know, what we would today call a white lie, um, you know, is, is a, like you use the word mortal sin. Like, I think that's that's really the the other the other bit of context for this for this movie so yeah it's it's like i i was i i rave about this i don't know if you feel quite the same way as i do but i really feel like it's for me it's probably the best the best horror movie of of like the the decade or something you know put your own time frame on it i guess but like i just think it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant film i i threw around last night the word masterpiece which is just it's just a bad word to describe anything, <laughs> but but um, it it to me is like if, if someone asks me right now, and I've done this on like Facebook and elsewhere, like if someone asks me like, oh, what's a good horror movie to see? Like a recent one. This is all. This is the top of my list. I I, I say go see this one. Um, and again, that's probably because I'm a history nerd from New England too. But no, but, but I mean, so I look at it specifically through the context of on Sunday I saw the Halloween remake, and my mm-hmm. review was up on InRealDeep.com. If you want to go take a look, I did not like it, and that <laughs> differs from a lot of critics. It's got like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, so at least yeah. quantity-wise, most people seem to enjoy it. And I honestly don't understand why, and and that I feel like is more indicative of. Maybe me not being a horror fan or you not being a horror fan. Like it, cause to me, it just, it checked all the boxes that I would expect it to check. And then it does a lot of stupid things where if it was any other type of movie, I feel like people would be saying, Oh, this is, this is, this makes no sense. There's no motivation behind this. Why would this happen? This is, this is asinine. This is just to provoke a reaction. This is just to move the narrative. Like ev- everything is in service of something else. Nothing is, feels organic or, or reasonable or real in any way. And t- to me, that's a non-starter for most movies. Movies. Like, if your character motivations are 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 crappy or unformed, then t- that takes me out of the movie immediately. I'm like, why would that person do that? That makes no sense. Like, and it doesn't have to be something grandiose; it can be something small. But I just feel like horror movies get away with a lot of that because they're just most people don't look at it as you know a serious type of film. You know, it's fun. It's it's great. I want the chills and thrills and all that. And we've talked about this many times before. But to me, so a, mo- a movie like this that takes care to you know be scary and worm its way into your soul, sort of in a very terrifying fashion that's what i like to praise like I just, I just think there's room for both there's room to have a well-told story that is also scary and i just don't understand it's just not the way my brain works i think to a certain extent yours too people who can see the new halloween and be like yeah it's stupid it's dumb but whatever it was fun and it there was a couple callbacks and like it just seems like the bar is so low for a lot of generic horror um yeah well i mean and, and that's also a, a sub-genre of horror which i think we talked about like way last year too <laughs> which did. is already wrote right um 
like the, the slasher flick, the the last person standing. Um, but even so with those it, slasher flicks, the originals were good. Like I've seen the original Halloween; it's good. Like right. it just seems like there's a diminishing returns whenever they try and make other ones. It's just, and that's I think maybe that's a, a more frustrating element too. Is there's just an original, interesting new idea that stays in the same genre. It seems like that would be a lot more preferable to the same old, same old over and over again. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I and. I guess all I would say is that Halloween was like, e- depending on where you chart it from, either the first or second slasher flick mm-hmm. that ever ever was made, right? The original one, um, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is probably the first one, and then it's that one. But um, but now we, there's been so many of them, and they're so that, that yeah. I, well, what you're getting is the idea, like even within the context of a franchise. And we talk about this, like even with a movie like Creed versus, uh, you know, a, a, a mindless reboot, like take us somewhere else, you know, yep. like take us somewhere else. We've never been put us in the shoes of, you know, call it whatever you want. And if the hook to get people in the seats is, you know, Lori and a guy in a mask. Okay. But like take us somewhere else. And, um, and I, I haven't seen Halloween, but I assume based on what way you're please, please, it, please don't, don't. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't plan to. That, that it doesn't. That it doesn't really add. It doesn't really add anything. So it's then it's just a meaningless nostalgia trip. Um, whereas, like again, the thing that's so great about The Witch is that it it's it's not like any horror that we really you really see typically. But then I also think it's like. I say this in all seriousness, it it tells you something about the American experience. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's an element that like, like in all, I, I, I'm not overstating this. The the most significant, in some ways, the most significant event in American history before the American revolution, before all that started to happen was the Salem witch trials. It's Mm -hmm. like the defining thing that happened. Um, and uh, and I, I guess I should say like white American history in this, this day and age, but um, and and but there's never been like a good movie about that. Uh, sorry, Hocus Pocus fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's never been a good movie about that. Not one that tries to put you in the in the mindset of people who will be succumbing to a hysteria as it goes as it goes down. And here's this versus you know the Halloween reboot, which is you know. I can only imagine how how lame it is uh, <laughs> for 2018. <laughs> I will say too, one of the things that this and Hereditary reminded me is in a lot it it's not expectation subverting. I don't want to say because I I guess I'm used to not seeing horror movies which do not push the envelope like some horror movies do. Like when in Hereditary, when the girl's head gets smashed on the pole, and this when the literally the whole family is murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mostly the like the children are murdered. You know, viscerally, but one kid dies in front of your eyes. Like there's just a, there's a lot of stuff that I did not think the movie was gonna do because because I sort of been conditioned like well in movies yeah. that's not what happens. Like kids yeah. don't die. You know, but in horror there really are no rules like you can kill whoever you want because the main result that a lot of the end result is just making you uncomfortable and nervous and, and freaked out and just hating everything so i appreciate that because i do like I, I do sort of fall into a trap in my own head of like well this sure i can i can i know what's happening here because this this person has to live and then nope that person dies you know well i think that's what's so interesting with william right like you he like uh, to compare it to another movie we've talked about in the last few weeks, A Quiet Place, which is 
almost very similar in terms of like setup. It's obviously a different era, but it's like a family on a farm by themselves. But in that movie, in a quiet place, it's like circle the wagons, the, the family, the family togetherness uh, and 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 purpose to fight sort of an external force is never in doubt. Right? Yep. Whereas this is a movie that just it, it instead is like the the external force that's sort of applying pressure is is um, is is unclear for most of the film and so a lot of it is the family turning in on itself which is again to your point like more terrifying yeah than than you know just oh there's creepy crawly aliens that you know but we're together and we know we know how to shoot guns now and so everything's okay yeah and i suspect and i don't know this for a fact because i don't know a ton of big horror fans but i suspect they were probably frustrated with the ending of a quiet place as much as anybody because they were like that's not how this is supposed to work like that's that's hollywoodizing it you know like that's yay we survived now on for the next challenge like that's not like i I can tell from watching a little bit of horror here that's not what fans of that genre expect you know (laughs) like maybe they want one team to survive and you know and leave jason or Michael or Freddie at bay for another installment, but they certainly do not want a feel-good ending that makes everybody smile. And I appreciate that because a lot, I think a lot of there, there, there are maybe a less vocal minority of fans. Like most people want to go to the movies and come walk out with a smile on their face, but a lot of people want to go and be taken for a ride and damn the consequences. You know, whatever happens, happens. And I, I do, I do subscribe to that mindset far more than the happy-go-lucky ending. So. Well, and if you want a smile on your face in the movie, uh, there's this studio called Marvel, uh, <laughs> and there's com- there's comedy films. So, yeah. <laughs> there are, yes. Use a little discussion. <laughs> yes, <it is>. yeah. <laughs> well, there you go, horror fans. Uh, who, if you're still listening, because you're not mad at us for disagreeing with you, that was Horror Month on the In Real Deep podcast. Halloween is right around the corner, so have a lovely time. And go watch these movies if you hadn't. If you just like hearing our voices and you want to loop back and enjoy two really good recent horror movies that definitely goes in some directions you might not be expecting, The Witch and Hereditary are two definitely great choices. Yeah, and The Witch is on Netflix. So. It sure is. Free. The the VV itch, you mean. The Vitch. The Vitch. The Vitch. The Vitch. If I met Robert Eggers, I would say, hey, I, I know I read on his Wikipedia why he did it, but I'd be like, dude, why the Vitch? I don't understand. <laughs> Oh wait, why? Why did he do that? He just he it was the, the I guess old timey text like they just uh, weir- it was weirdly spaced out and looked like that, so he just went with it because he thought it looked like, cool. Probably the little typesetting on a printing yes. press. They didn't th- want the actual W. They didn't have the W. So yep, just, that's probably exactly what it was. Yeah, got no W, but I got two Vs. So. <laughs> oh, oh, was so hard back then. No Ws. Couldn't even imagine, right? No <laughs> it's an important consonant. No wins. <laughs> And if you want to read about the other movie we discussed, Halloween, again, inrealdeep.com, my review is there. I thought it would be a little more divisive just because I know horror fans are vocal and Halloween seems to be beloved, but most people I've talked to are on the same page. But if you saw Halloween and you want to get my take on it, head to the site and check it out. We also have a Venom review, a Venom podcast, a Star is Born review and podcast, and apparently Andrew really likes my, uh, the Star is Born podcast. I do it with my friend Chris Foran, so thank you, Andrew, for enjoying our special guests every now and then i would totally let chris operate on me i think he should be the chief surgeon i'll <laughs> well, tell me he's the cso of inrealdeep.com promote, promote him uh, yeah and then i also have a, a film 101 on one flew over the cuckoo's nest up and then the first in what will probably be a regular series 
uh, on uh, I am because I'm a subscriber to Filmstruck, which is a classic film Netflixy type service on Passage to Marseille, which is like a quasi Casablanca reunion because it has everyone from Casablanca in it. It's not as good as Casablanca though. Otherwise, you would have heard of it. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, and then I was going to say that it's, it's all setting up for Film One Hundred and One to hit. Uh, to hit, it's a Wonderful Life at Christmas this year, so that's that's where I'm heading. I'm gonna I'm gonna get one more out, and then it's a Wonderful Life for Christmas, which I don't know if I've ever seen all the way through. So I definitely have not, but I know we are also negotiating for additional Christmas content to come as we speak. So. <laughs> We're in Samuel Johnson's hands. <laughs> if you listen to our previous uh, December holiday Christmas episodes, you know you're in for a real treat. So, speaking of horror month, uh... <laughs> don't let him hear you say that. He's gonna get mad. Nah, he won't. <laughs> so yes, inrealdeep.com. Tons of great stuff. More to come. Oscar season, Christmas season, holiday season, and remember, we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Bye.